welcome to a very special episode of The Naughtiest Naughty. This is The Christmasiest Christmas. That is a genius name. Did you come up that by yourself? I did, indeed. How long did it take? Uh, not as long as you'd think, actually. It, was, it kind of came was. So there wasn't a board table and like 20 other people contributing mm-hmm. towards it, no? No, my uh, my scatterbrain just thought of it straight away and that was just how it turned out. How do we spell Christmasiest? Mm-hmm. It's funny, because I've been saying Christmassy with two S's. Okay. But I think Christmasiest... Just has one S. Christmasiest with two S's looks weird. Yes, okay. That's fine. Cool, right. cool, cool. So what are we doing? So we're going to go through some Christmas tracks from the years 2000 to 2004, with Ooh. the intention of doing next year, doing the, the rest of the year, 2005, 2009. Yeah. So we've got some tracks that were in the top 10, some that weren't. There'll be some big names like Band-Aid 20 was in this decade. Mm-hmm. We've got Cliff Richard was doing stuff uh-huh. as well. We've done the Millennium Prayer already. That's old news. We've got another one from Cliff. Yeah. And of course, The Darkness, their big Christmas track. It was number two in the same year that Gary Jules and um, Michael... That battle wasn't it? Yeah, that battle, yeah. Aye, did 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 the best man win though? In that in that case, Mad World. I don't. I'm not. That made me convinced. so depressed at Christmas. A depressing I hated Christmas song, the fact it? that that got number one, and I, yeah. I used to turn it off immediately. Um, Maybe, I'm not a fan of the darkness generally, but oh, I kind of wanted it to win. There will be some more peculiar things too. The Cheeky Girls Christmas song Woo! is on this episode. Uh, we'll also have both Selectors Christmas track. We are going to pick a winner at the end, as we always do. It won't be canon within the main series of like no, you know. Kate Winslet is not going to be my new series winner. <laughs> She's Kate Winslet she could, versus Roger Sanchez. Uh, yeah, she could be winner today. You never know. But well, the metric I think is going to be not the best. I think just kind of Christmasiest. The ones that make us feel the Christmasiest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh huh. Okay. It's all about feeling Christmasy, and we're, we're releasing this on Christmas Day, so realistically, it has like a one-day lifespan. Nobody will listen to this on Boxing Day because nobody feels Christmassy on Boxing Day, does it? I think most, I, most people... I feel Christmassy on Boxing Day. It depends where I am in the world, like where I'm having my Christmas. But yeah, I feel Christmassy on Boxing okay. Day. Apart from the one year where me and my wife travelled all the way to Ireland and mm. we had the Christmas dinner, which we, were, we weren't we were late for. It was earlier than what it was planned. So oh, right. it was cold and everybody else had finished. Uh, and then the next day, there wasn't any arrangements where usually we have a Boxing Day dinner too. Mm. So me and my wife pretty much were left our own devices and we went to we had to drive 20 miles to go to McDonald's <laughs> to have because it was the only thing that was open we had to drive 20 miles to McDonald's and we went to McDonald's and because we were the only customers at McDonald's it was the hottest freshest mm. McDonald's that I'd ever had in my life and I've never had mozzarella bites like it because they were they were a completely different consistency mm. even when you normally get them hot these were piping and it wow. was absolutely amazing. And then Merry now I forget them Christmas. and they're like, they're cold and they're rubbery. Nah, but Boxing Day in Corian in Northern Ireland. Wow. Love it. Yeah. So if, That's you're having kind a, of Christmas. if you're having a Boxing Day like that, we are hoping that we can be your soundtrack. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I just know some people, you know, they, they, they do the bare minimum at Christmas. Like they can do Christmas Day, but like as soon as that's finished, the tree comes down, the decorations come down, the cards come down, back to normal life. And they can't bear to look at anything Christmassy. I, I, I can be Christmassy for the entire of December and even a bit of November, really. Yeah. But yeah, oh. I, think, I think this year with things being weird and different because of, you know, things, I think um, Christmas should be not the same as other years. I think we're going to just do things very differently this year. Cause, but, well, Mariah's number one in the charts, isn't she? So, I know, and what, that, what that statistically can't really happen because of the fact that old songs don't get the same yeah. points and algorithms. But mm. like, it goes to show you that it is a, a very different year. Very but, different. Um, well, I come from Northern Ireland where there's still very much the 12 days of Christmas, 12 days before, 12 days after. Yes. So there's people that will have their decorations up to the 6th of January, um, which whenever I first moved to England, I was like, why, are, why would you dare take your 
stuff down and then realise it's not as a religious a country no. here but um, I can get to the day after New Year's Day and then I'm like right it all needs to come down it needs down now mm-hmm. so um, well let's get into it this is the most important day of the year the most important birthday of the year as well your wife yes my wife my <laughs> wife's birthday is on Christmas Day Happy so birthday. twice as many presents twice as much stress before Christmas more hassle or, or, or do you take joy in the uh, the gift of giving uh, I, I, I'm a giver I'm all about that given. Mm-hmm. I, I, I take the joy. Um, yeah, right up there. I got instructions, do not buy me that air dryer drying rack <laughs> oh. for, for Christmas or my birthday. Um, and that is not what she will have unwrapped this morning. So mm. there you go. I got asked, what do I want for Christmas? And um, I couldn't think of anything. I think this year I don't, I think this year I've learned that I don't need much. Yeah. My life before this was very shallow. It was just going to gigs. It was just going to see films. It was just going out to pubs. And I couldn't do any of those for like most of the year. And I've been all right. How do you know what to buy other people whenever people have struggled all year to even know what, what they think, believe and feel themselves? You know, mm. People don't know themselves, never yeah. know, never mind know other people and what they might be interested in. Mm. I think if people were lucky enough to get a PlayStation 5, yeah. then you're on to a winner because vouchers are games. There you go. Yeah. Bish bash bosh. This year, I have bought myself things that I probably could have got for Christmas other years, but I've just bought them myself. Well, that's good because I think Ann Summers really needs the business. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I bought myself a PlayStation 4 because I gave I gave my PlayStation when I moved out of my house I, I gave my flatmate my PlayStation 4 <laughs> thinking he plays it more than I do he'll enjoy it more than I do and it's, it's good that I don't have it because if I had it I'd play FIFA loads and it depresses me and, and, and gets me anxious and uh, angry I missed it too much and I bought a new one. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Okay. But just like a month before PS5 came out too, so okay. I, I, I'm working on the old console, but Treat I, I don't need a PS5. I haven't got any, I haven't got a 4K TV. There's not much point, really. Ah, and I bought myself some earpods this week, which I never thought I'd oh, ever get. Because yeah. I thought, oh, people who have earpods are wankers, but actually I've got them now and they've changed my life. I've got fake ones mm. somewhere, um, which I've never actually used. And I just think I've got weird ears or Do you always like pause that. when they take them out? I don't know. Oh, you haven't tried them I've yet? Never, I've never used... So I couldn't get one of them to pair for a long period of time um, and we found them the other day and it's weird because whenever you've got a, like a toddler you find things in the strangest of places Yeah. so um, uh, I think my wife picked them up the other day thinking they were dental floss and they weren't oh. so um, yeah, we find them you haven't, had a, you haven't had a fish and air put out of a baby's uh, nappy no luckily good. enough good um, he's been very good with that touch wood and to touch wood in case he does touch, swallow something touch uh, whatever you call this let's get into the podcast then some Christmas tracks hopefully you're feeling Christmassy if you want this might do the trick Let's get into it. This is the Christmasiest Christmas. How funny we've just been speaking about McDonald's. In the time between that and this, we've had a McDonald's. Yes. Editing. We, we had an editing pause. <clears throat> and um, from the best that you had in Coleraine to the worst we had from the one in Granger Street. <laughs> I mean, it was shocking, wasn't it? No dips. They forgot all the dips. You, I, got, you got a double Big Mac. I'd ordered a double Big Mac, so I wanted four slabs of meat. I got... Two slabs of meat. We ordered four, in theory, four dips. Mm-hmm. We got zero dips. Well, I got selects that should have had barbecue dips that came with no dips. Oh, yeah. So uh-huh. we've had the driest Mackies ever. You know, even if it was dry, it was all right, but... Yeah. And they've refunded us 60 pence for the 60 dips. 60 pence for the dips, which was... Mines were 20p, so <clears> it would have been 40p. Every single bit of that order came wrong, and they've refunded me 60 pence. Mm. Anyway, in the festive spirit, we'll forgive them. <laughs> Or we'll just choose to ignore it. What a it. turn, as if we've gone, I've had the best McDonald's of my life. Then there's somebody outside with a McDonald's and then mm. we're coming back to, I've just had the worst McDonald's of my life. This is why I always go for the, the, the knockoff brands. This is why I go for a Chick-Alicious or a, <laughs> or a chicken cottage. Because <clears throat> you know what you get? 
you, you set your expectations lower and then you're always going to be you know surprised or exceeded you do yeah. and Liam you know it's almost the end of 2020 mm. so it's soon going to be a new year thank god uh, how appropriate the first song of this uh, special episode is from the Sugar Babes and the track is called New Year I'm older This is the second single from the debut studio album One Touch. It was the follow-up to Overload. Yes, Overload. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And it was the original three. So you've got Mucha, Keisha and Siobhan. Yeah. I remember watching this on Top of the Pops. Mm. I didn't think, when I saw the name of it, I thought, I'm not going to remember this. No. And then it kicked in. It was and the I remembered same for me, yeah. Uh-huh. Do you remember it all? I, I, most of it, yeah. yeah. Aye, aye. It's very mature. So I'm still stuffed off that food. <laughs> oh. This is just warming me up for Christmas, isn't it? For the for the big Christmas. You know what? I, I thought we we're going to have turkey this year because I thought everyone liked turkey and it was traditional to have turkey at Christmas. But it turns out we're having chicken because nobody wants turkey. I just I went along with it because I thought everyone wanted turkey. And we've, <laughs> we've, all, we've all gone, do you like turkey? Not really, no. Should just get chicken instead? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm partial just to the dryness of turkey once or twice a year. You mm. know what I mean? I, I don't mind a turkey crown. Because they're quite juicy, but like an actual full turkey is just too much faff and not, not very interesting, really. All right, okay. Get a juicy Sa- chicken. Sausage meat in your stuffing? Um, probably have pigs in blankets, but I wouldn't... You have that as well. Yeah, I don't, I'm not really a stuffing person. Have you had so- sausage meat stuffing before? don't think so, no. Okay. Would, I, would, would, that, would that be different to stuffing, though? Yeah, so stuffing... Well, yeah, so stuffing in different places is weird, but yeah, <laughs> sausage meat stuffing is amazing. Mm. Um, it's really, really nice. So it's like the, at Christmas you should get it. But it's meaty, so it's... That's that's really delicious. So if you haven't had sausage meat stuff and you need to try it, yeah, um, it's like an extra meat on your plate. So. Mm, maybe next year because today is Christmas Day, of course. Uh, back to sugar babes from from sausage meat to sugar babes. This <laughs> this is a very mature track, very sophisticated for for what are teenagers. You know they are like you know like yeah. f- 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 fifteen sixteen year old girls at this point, um, and they even say the line older than my years, which is very apt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- I mean this this works for me better than Overload. Funnily enough, vocally. I think that the vocal blend didn't really suit my ears. I've always got a problem with low registers. That's it's, it's kind of on record that I'm not really a fan of low registers as a pleasing experience in pop music. But um, yeah, I quite like this. How does it make me feel Christmassy? It makes me feel about the sad, melancholic side of Christmas because Christmas always is is it's quite melancholic. I always find because it's you spend so long waiting for it. It's over in a flash. When you get to the evening of Christmas Day and you realise it's nearly over, and you go, oh. Yeah. Another year for this to come around again. All the stuff that happens between now and next year, like what's it going to be? That's why I like Boxing Day dinners, because then there's still something continuous to mm. look mm. forward to a little bit. Mm. They did a Top of the Pops performance of this mm-hmm. back in the day. Um, I think by the sounds of it, it was pretty live right. and the whole thing's flawless. Like the whole way through. Not surprised. Really, really I'm good. I'm really not surprised. I think this is completely underrated. I do agree with the 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 kind of, you know, it can, can easily bum you out sort of a thing mm. but um, I think that it's a really good sounds real sounds natural and I feel like I'm picturing them you know like as 16 year olds meeting for the first time I feel like I've I've been part of that journey where you've seen them in their bedroom singing mm. trying to figure out how they work and figuring it all out and here we go we're getting some songs out of them now and there's a bit yeah. of momentum so I quite like this 
from them. I do. It, 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 it's, it's even got like a crackle of a fire in there. Like it's, it's, it's sort of a vinyl yeah. effect, but it feels like a crackling yeah. fire. It's all warm. Yeah. It does feel like a hug, but yeah, it does feel melancholic. And it's got me thinking about, yeah, the emotion of Christmas and how it makes you feel. And this is probably the one on the list that is like more of a crying Christmas sort of thing. Have you ever had a Christmas where somebody's been in tears? This one, where we'll mostly all be in tier three. Um, <laughs> Very good. Yeah. But... Has there been? Have I had a cry Christmas? I I don't think so. I think I've probably been the closest to annoyed at Christmas mm. um, within my family historically, but I don't necessarily remember to. Well, we do actually because my mum died at Christmas, so there was that. There was that one. There's a curveball for yeah, you. Uh-huh. Um, but That's, since yeah. that, not particularly. Mm. You know, and even reflecting year on year, like we've all been pretty positive. So you know. I don't feel like I have. If I have, it'll have been very young. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I've always got what I wanted for Christmas every year. Well, so there's never been an issue of like not getting what I wanted and then getting upset. It's always yeah. been like I just got I got everything I wanted, and I think this is the this for me must be the present that people never ever got through my generation mm. that they wanted. Some obviously lots of people got it, but it's the one thing that people wanted that they never really got. Whenever you ask, what did you not get, Mister Frosty? There was hell on Mr. Frosty. that people were not allowed to Mister Frosty. I wasn't allowed a Mr. Frosty. Have you ever seen a Mr. Frosty? Is it like a... Does it make like slushies? Yes. Is it like a slushy machine? It's, that's what it is. Uh-huh. So you've got what looks like a little plastic snowman with a little blue hat and you take the hat out and you put ice cubes in his head and you push the hat back down. But at the same time, you like spin a, a thing that grates the ice yes. and the ice spits out and then that's where you've got your ice and then you've got to buy syrup and stuff and put the syrup on top. But actually, it totally makes sense as to why I wasn't allowed it because if you took the blue hat out and you stuck your fingers down it and spun it, your Ooh. fingers goes into a cheese grater, yes. practically. Aye. So there was that issue. But I remember having this debate at university because every year when I was younger, I was like, what didn't you get for Christmas and what are you still really pissed off about? I was annoyed that I didn't get a Mr. Frosty and my mm. friend Adele ended up telling us that her mum and dad tried to save money so ordered one from France which was called a Monsieur Frosty. Oh. And it was fucking massive. <laughs> it was like, like way, way bigger than the ones you got in Britain. Mm. And so she was a bit annoyed that she got this oversized one that was in French. Um, and I was annoyed that I didn't actually get one. But I think, yeah, there is always things that you you got that you like you wanted. You know, yeah. you didn't get that you wanted. You living with brothers, having a thing that could grate fingers... Maybe not the best idea. That was probably the safest thing I could have played with, you know what I mean? <laughs> to be fair, I can remember there being knives brandished about the house. There was all sorts of dangerous things on go. I remember there being fist holes in doors. Mm. Everything. You know, it was um, it was a, it was a motivated household. But I remember asking for a scooter for Christmas. You know, like mm. a, a, like it was a BMX branded scooter. So it had like small rubber wheels that you had to pump up and it had brakes and things like that. And I wanted that. And my whole six month before Christmas pointed to me getting a scooter. And I went into the living room on Christmas morning and there was a bike there. And I remember being so disappointed that there was a bike, a mountain bike that was too big for me that I had to grow into. And I was like, why on earth Santa brought me this? And I was like, well, it turns out he knows better because actually I used that bike every day for about three years. Mm. So, you know, he knew that I didn't need that scooter and that scooter would have lasted for Buzz for maybe about a month or something. Mm. But it snowed and I remember that specific, that Christmas was a white Christmas where I was and I remember having to go outside on this oversized bike because I was determined to use it on the day <laughs> and I went outside in the snow and just had to do like a figure of eight yeah. in the snow because I couldn't go anywhere else no. apart from I had to make it my own little track outside the house so I could keep going round and that was my, my bike Aww. year. Mm. There's one, this isn't a Christmas, it's a birthday, there's one year that I, did, I, I remember not telling anybody what I wanted, I kept it to myself. Mm. Until the day before, I was oh, like, Jesus. "They were like, what do you what, what what do you think you got for your birthday?'" I was like, "I quite like a DS." Next day, got a DS. No, I was like, "How the fuck? How the how have you known that?" I mm-hmm. I never said it. I never I never wrote anywhere. I kept that. I just didn't say it. Just, I just thought we'll see what happens. Yeah, and it happened. That's impressive. That, that is impressive. That is very impressive. We've got good parents, you know. 
yeah. that they've raised as well. And mm-hmm. we've got a connection with spiritual like that. Sugar babes? I rate it. I don't think I would choose to put it on much because it is slower and sad. I am going to listen to this more mm. and this is going to make me delve back into the MKS era of Sugar Babes. Yes. I think. Right. We just watched a clip of this beforehand because uh, it turns out Kate Winslet was on with Greg James on Radio 1 uh, three years ago yep. talking about this song because it seems that Kate is quite embarrassed by it. She doesn't seem too enthused by it. No, and the the story behind it was quite interesting. So she was gonna she was on playing a game. She was supposed to be doing a, a game with Greg because she was promoting a movie about in a mountain, and he whipped it out, and she was like, "Oh no, don't do this!" <laughs> uh, but generally, she said that as part of the the uh, the what's it, the Disney film that she was part oh, it's, of? It's called a Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol the movie. Yeah, so she was one of the voices in the Christmas Carol the movie. She then got approached by the the chiefs, and were like, "Right, we want you to sing a song for the film. Is that okay?" Uh, she then said, mm, "I'm." yes yeah. if you think it's crap just chuck it away but I'll give it a go um, they then liked it and then they said how about we release it as a single and as part of that then she said mm, well she laughed it off first of all realised they were serious and said I'll only do it if you give all of the money to the charity but then the outcome pretty much was that nobody mentioned the money was going to charity mm. it looked like she was embarking on a, a solo career <laughs> uh, and then as part of that video Greg James insisted on playing the song back to her and she cringed <sighs> will we have a listen to some of her cringe yeah, go on. No, please and don't. It's, I mean, it's worth a little... Please it's definitely don't. worth a bit of a listen. What if I never let you go? This is the kind of shit my husband does to me just for a laugh when we're on family holidays and I least want him to do it. This is what he does to me. But it's intercut with bits from the film. Why? Are you showing... What? They made my teeth look really white. Look, it's a nice film. And snowy Christmas <laughs> Turn it off. Turn it off. Look, turn it off. That's lovely. <laughs> it's great. Turn it off. Okay. So I think whenever Kate Winslet tells you to turn something off, yes. you don't wait till the fourth time yeah. or fifth time to turn it off. You, you turn it off. Only Greg can get away with that, though. He, I think he's, he can. Yeah, he can, he can pull it off. Anyway, this is the song in question. It's called What If. strings yeah nice strings it nice strings nice, yeah there's some nice guitar in it it's written by steve mack and wayne hector so it's a, it's a westlife production basically pretty much yeah yeah it's that it's that caliber of uh, pop song so could we completely bring this back we could that could be brought back somebody could do that now yeah like a 2020 or 2021 version by mm-hmm. the time it would come around next year yeah you could bring you could bring that back yeah and this was a top 10 hit as well so it's it's in the same chart position does no yeah steve mack and wayne hector's other work so it's a it's a it's a caliber pop song, performed by an actress, and you can always tell. Somebody said this to me a little while ago. You, you have like a lot of YouTube people who have music careers, and they all enunciate every word, just yeah. because of just because of how they are in their other career. When they sing, every word is perfectly pronounced. And Kate Winslet being an actress, it's the same here. Like I don't think she's ever gonna have a singing career because she's too actressy. That makes sense to me as to why when I've listened to it, I've written down it sounds very panto and yeah, not because it's, it's, it's performancey. Yeah, and that's and that's weird because somebody who does performing arts that I know, I remember 
asked me if I could sing and I said, no, I can't sing. And I said, sometimes I come off. I, I do the odd thing where it, it gives people the wrong impression. Like, oh, you can sing. And I like, yeah, actually really we, can't we've sing. We've heard your sex bomb. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sex bomb. Um, Fly on me, baby. So I now understand because he then said everybody can sing. And I realised that actually some of that is enunciation and just being able to mm. get through mm. different tones and pitches and stuff. But it's a very, very, very high calibre panto yes. actress production for me. So yes. I think she sounds good. Mm-hmm. But there is something that sits with it that goes, you're, you're, you're not originally a vocalist. No. That's that. That's my feeling too. I mean, certainly it's a far cry away from like Ariana Grande, who just like slurs every. Yes. It's just it's one big like sort of blob of syllables. Or Davina De Campo. <laughs> yeah, Whatever that was. it's not. It's it's neither of those. But it's a solid bit of ballad. It's it's kind of a dubious inclusion in this episode because it's not specifically Christmassy itself as a song. It's more the fact that it's in a Christmas film. Yeah. It's about characters who are in a Christmas film because the story is about the relationship of Scrooge and Kate Winslet's character, Belle, who have this relationship breakdown and they kind of, what if things hadn't broken down? So it's not really Christmassy itself, but it's in a Christmas film. How do you feel about Christmas films? Because I, I don't know if I've seen Christmas Carol. The, I've seen various other adaptations of Christmas Carol story, like the Muppets one, yeah. and the one that Jim Carrey's in, where it's all like weird CGI. It's like sort of realistic and bit kind of uncanny valley. I don't... I've not seen Home Alone. I haven't seen Home Alone, right. any of the Home Alones. I haven't seen a lot of Christmas films because I, I kind of... I can't do with the saccharine nature of them. I like films with a bit of edge, and there's not many Christmas films that have any edge. Yeah. I like Christmas films. I don't, I don't go down a Christmas film hole. No. I think my wife knows more about them I did weirdly enough even though I've known The Snowman and The Snow Dog for years and gone on Snow Dog hunts I mm. watched it for the first time maybe two weeks ago I think did I mention it last week I'm not sure um, that, that's cute I like that but Jesus God almighty that's harsh yeah, that that's is. heartbreaking yeah, and it's just yeah. a really good tale of life where it's a bit like a bit Bambi-ish mm. um, and I hadn't realised that it was that harsh but Home Alone like things like Home Alone Love it, but I think now it's the whole thing where 20 years later people are like, well, actually, if you got hit in the head with a hammer or a, a lawnmower ran up your face, like, so that people have really tried mm. to pull apart it would tear every little bit of it. Like, it is a kid's fantasy film. Yes. You've got to remember the crack and you've got to remember that it is that. But I've done, I know Home Alone 1 Inside Out, I know 2 Inside Out, and I think I know 3 Inside Out, if that's the one with the remote control car and mm. the different kid. Um, I don't mind that one. No, no. So they're fine, but they are good. But I think it might be my wife won't watch the Goonies because she's missed it and she's missed the point of it and she's missed the fantasy of it mm. when she was a kid. So she's she's quite reluctant to watch it. And I think Home Alone might land. Yeah, if you didn't watch it as a kid, it mightn't make the same impact. You know, really. So I think <sighs> I'm not I'm not moving heaven and earth to see it. Yeah, the thing I like about Christmas is that all the stuff that they put on TV at Christmas, like Pixar films and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like Christmas to me is watching those films. It isn't watching things like our Christmassy themselves. Yeah. That said, there is one Christmas film I do really like, and it again it's dubious because it just takes place at Christmas. It isn't like Christmassy morals or values and stuff. It's called Carol. It's got Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara, and um, it's about lesbians basically. Okay, and it's great. Have you not seen The Holiday with Kate Winslet? No, it's great. It's a really good film. Um, I really like it. It's it's a rom. Is it even is it even a comedy? There, there's funny. Cam- is that the Cameron? Cameron, Cameron Diaz, Diaz and Jack Black in it as well. Jack Black. I think it's a rom Kate Winslet and Jude Law. Jude Law. And it is, it's an interesting, it is a really interesting story. And I didn't, I think that I've like, I've dipped in and out of it now, but actually I find it a really therapeutic Christmas film to watch. Mm. And I really enjoy watching it every year. And the one that people really don't like that got big budget put into it and there's a few flaws in it, but I still love it. My favourite's actually Christmas with the Cranks. Oh. Tim Allen, Jamie Lee oh, Curtis. Tim Allen. So that's my, kind of my favourite. Because it's funny. There's a few fantasy bits in it towards the end that's sort of ruin it a little bit mm. and there's a, a few things that didn't need to happen you know like when the car flies away at the end of Greece 
<laughs> yeah. You're a bit like where yeah. did they go in the flying car? Do they live in space now? Just trapped in trapped in the atmosphere. So there's a moment like that which is supposed to kind of be magical whenever really the, the film had a really nice ending anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? But Christmas of the Cranks, I really like it and I know that it's always a controversial point. But it's mm. starting to gradually get shifted up the good channels over the years. Yeah. So it used to be on the crap ones that you like want- Sony TV or whatever. Yeah. Yes. And now it's well they would start it early yeah. on those ones and now it's on like My Five and stuff and it's Ooh. it's appearing on film four and it's on Netflix and all of that. So it's starting to get some sort of long-term recognition. It's having a second wind. But I do love it. But the holiday with Kate Winslet, her crying in it is a bit questionable because she sounds a bit Does weird a when crying, she cries. She? Mm. But it is it is an interesting film and it's probably one of the few romantic things I kind of get involved with a little bit mm. I'm not. Rom-coms are great for me until the last 10 minutes. I yeah. can be done with it. But this one, I'm, I'm in till the end. Yeah. Christmas Carol the movie was poorly reviewed, poor at the box office, it came at the same time as Harry Potter won and Lord of the Rings won. <laughs> so just don't bother. Song-wise, aye, it's alright. Okay, so now we're in 2002. So these are tracks that we... Some we'll do in the series at some point, some we won't because they weren't top 10, but we're now jumping ahead of time basically. So I think what with these sort of tracks, we'll try and ignore stuff beforehand and just kind of get to the tracks themselves because S Club Juniors who we're talking about next there's a whole story attached to them as to how they keep together and stuff but we'll do that when we get to their first song properly we'll just do this in isolation this is S Club Juniors Uh, so it's a double A side the first one's Puppy Love which sounds like this and they called it Puppy But not Christmassy, so there's not, we don't need to factor it in here. We'll do it when we get to it, when it comes around. But this is the B-side uh, that is Christmassy. It's a cover of the Ronettes and Sleigh Ride. Just to the sleigh bells jingling, ring ting a tingling This is good timing for this one because I'm pretty disappointed this year about the Tesco Christmas advert because last year it was mm. the guy doing all the deliveries, wasn't it? And this was the song in the Tesco advert last year. Oh, right. There was loads okay. of different versions of it and he, he back to the future through different Oh, yes, I remember now, yeah, yeah. And then he was in something else. He was in some significant programme that I've watched this year as like a police detective, mm. potentially. So that advert from last year that I really liked has given me an attachment to the song so I feel like that's completely warped my impartiality about how the S Club Juniors mm. have done it so I'm, I'm confused in a, in a good way or a bad way Um, I feel like I'm liking it more than I would you know if, if we'd have done this two years ago before that test squad had to come out I'm mm. trying to think what I would have thought about this song then generally I can't fault S Club Juniors generally no. for, for the fun bubblegum child what, thing that they, they are, are. Yeah, yeah. for what they are I think this would be a great well I'll show, I'll show my little boy this in the future when he's starting yeah. to get into the vibe of things I'm surprised that this deep in to like the the century that I've never seen this before no I couldn't find a music video could you no but I did I know I did did you I, I find a music video for it which doesn't seem like it's a proper music video and then there was a performance on 
is it Xscape it was called on Exchange Exchange on yeah. CBBC and the performance that they did on CBBC was exactly the same as the music video that I oh, think I watched okay. so there's a good chance that actually what I watched wasn't the music video and it was a performance somewhere else that wasn't yeah, labelled on I YouTube think, I couldn't find a proper one but I watched the Exchange one and the Blue Peter one the Blue Peter one is it's ropey because they're kids, and I can't, you, you can't, you can't slag off kids. I'm not going to slag off kids. I mean, S Club Juniors in this early era, before they kind of grew up, because they did grow up. You know, we did, we did watch mm-hmm. them grow up, and like the stuff towards the end of their career is actually quite mature. Yeah, when they are like proper teenagers, but here they're all like primary, like early secondary school age kids, and it's a bit ropey. This era was always very kids bop, but because <laughs> it's because it's kids bop and like 12, 13 year old British kids, it's like watching like a, a school production at Christmas. Yeah, I and it, and it is that kind of level of DIYness of kind I of like quite it's like it's, that. I mean, yeah, me too. It's kind of like it's choreographed by like a school teacher who's just doing it for yeah. like a nice f- fun family performance. All the parents come in and watch it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so happy that it's been broadcast to millions of people and it's, you know, yeah. on record sh- shop shelves across the country. It's more than just a school production, but it has that feel to it. Yeah. And it's not it's not much better than that. You can really tell that the other side of it is puppy love, yeah. can't you, by the yeah. way, that they're like, they're having to be friends and stuff together. Yeah. And it's, you know, it must be really weird because there was eight of them mm-hmm. and there must have, but it's very hard to get on with. Eight people. Eight people yeah. at any given one time. You know, living at university, living in a house with another four people, for example, mm. is difficult. How yeah. the hell did eight of them do that for a prolonged that period age. of time? Yeah, that's that's a lot of pressure. It's a lot. Um, but I don't mind, uh, for what it is, as a, as a kid's bop vibe cover, mm-hmm. something for kids that's very, very direct access to them. Yeah, I think it's... That's a nice little bop. It's rough around the edges. Yeah, it is. But it's cute. Yeah. Um, the Wikipedia page. I don't know if you saw this, but the... Wi- is this... Are you Are you going to read a, a, what looks like a perf, a, a typo <laughs> that somebody's done on purpose? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't know whether I was going to open that and read that out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So on the Wikipedia page for the single Puppy Love and Slay Ride, it says, the video for Puppy Love features gold spunk. Because <laughs> Ca- Calvin's called Gal- Calvin Gold's Pink. And it says gold spunk. <laughs> Somebody's done that on purpose, Calvin Goldspunk. It was weird though because um, I couldn't remember what it said before you started reading the note. And I was going to, earlier on, I was like, will I, will I mention that Wikipedia thing? So what word did it say? And um, was his name like Gavin Cumbucket or something? <laughs> and um, I nearly said something. I was like, what, what would that even be? Um, so yeah, I got. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you read it out and we've got the facts yeah. there now. Thank you very much. Sorry, Calvin? Is it Calvin? Calvin, Sorry, yeah. Calvin. Calvin Goldspunk. This reminded me Get of... that changed, Calvin. Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, it reminded me of like when I would go and do school performances and stuff. Like we'd go, we we were the kind of school that would go to like old people's homes and sing oh, carols yeah. and stuff. There was one, maybe one or two years because I was in recorder club because I was a cool kid. Yeah, you could, you could always tell I was going to be this cool when I grew up. We used to play like penny flutes, you know, the, the sort of metal whistles. Yeah. Is that when you pull the bottom of it? No, no, no. Okay. This is just like a little tin thing. Oh, that you know, blow yeah, into, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, we we played our little penny flute in the Granger Market for a, a couple of Christmases. Oh. All of us in a uniform with a little. Mm-hmm. So cute. I love that. Yeah, we did. We got. To, I was in the choirs in primary school, so got to go oh, and yeah. do different things. And it was great because I meant you got out of school for like mm, two that was hours a good, or something. Got to go on a minibus. We went on a minibus. How I remember. Exciting. What was her name? Was it Jenny Hunt? I remember Jenny oh. Hunt was in primary seven, the year above us. And we got to go to an old people's home called Rush Hall. And I sat in the front seat. Bes- mm. And I was in the front of the minibus beside oh. Jenny Hunt, who was older. And it was. Wow. I was like. I was in the front Christmas of the Christmas miracle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nailed a bit of it. It was on a starry night at a Rush Hall. It was class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's move on. 
feel like so many of our conversations end with that line. Let's move on. <laughs> um, let's get into a Christmas song from 2003. This is easily the most successful one so far because it was number two in the charts. Lost Out to Mad World by Gary Jules and Michael Andrews, the depressing Don- uh, Donnie Darko soundtrack song, which took a... Well, the Tears for Fears song is quite like industrial, kind of like dun, yeah. dun, all around me. And this one is just like piano ballad, depressing, mm-hmm. like Mad World. Mad World has become like mad, scary, depressing, dark, yes. suicidey world. The counter argument for that Christmas was the darkness. And it's a shame this wasn't number one because um, I think this, this, this vibe is what you want at Christmas, just sheer anarchy. Uh, it reflects the mood much better. I think having a depressing Christmas number one sets the tone for the air, doesn't it? Potentially, yeah. And I think Gary Jules is making me want to go back and listen to Sugar Babes. Yeah. Such a massive yes. upgrading vibe. Oh, totally. This then is the Darkness's Christmas anthem of 2003. Interesting for reasons that I didn't realise until doing the research that I'm now kind of scarred by and also quite impressed by. This is Christmas time. Don't let the bells end. that I say is musically interesting yeah this is so weird because at this point I was very much I believe in a thing called love which I yeah. thought was class proper glam. and I thought was really credible and yeah. really new and mm. all of that kind of stuff little did I know that this was going to be the one 20 years on that I remember yeah you know what I mean I can't believe that this is the first The Darkness song that comes into my head uh, well this is always guaranteed radio play isn't it because it has it has a specific yeah. time of year I fix it whereas I believe in a thing called I never hear on the radio I do seek it out sometimes funny, and, and put it on myself and we'll talk about it in the podcast when it comes to it but yeah this this, this always comes around at Christmas because it is like an alternative Christmas song isn't it both in yeah. sound it isn't it isn't like sort of traditionally Christmas it's got rock elements it's got an 80s throwback element to it glam yeah um, and there's there's, a, there's kind of a cheekiness to it that other Christmas songs don't tend to have and I like that about it so whenever I hear this at Christmas I keep it on because I feel like it's now cemented in as part of my Christmas yes I don't actually really like it oh which is odd and I so I have I think years ago I can remember Justin slagging off somebody publicly mm. that I am friends with. Oh, and, really? Um, that annoyed me, and that's annoyed me ever since. So that mm. immediately is like, I don't want to listen to it because I'm not giving him the money. But then since that, it's kind of like, it's kind of become a. a I didn't realise it was as much as a caricature of a track. It's, it's just, it's really contrived and it's like, right, let's go make a Christmas song and let's make our box. And I hate whenever people actively go make a Christmas song. I don't mind romantic songs at Christmas that fall into the Christmas category because they're about love and togetherness and all of that kind mm. of crap. But this is like somebody's gone away with a recipe and tried to make something and obviously tried to be rude in the process. Yeah. The the rude thing I wasn't aware of until this week doing the notes. What do you know? Well, I knew nothing until this week, but now I know that they've managed to squeeze the words better and ring piece into a Christmas song <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, t- I was doing the notes and I told my mum and, and she was like oh my god really and we were both just having a laugh at it because it's just um, it is it is funny that's my sense of humour I do I do I do. I am impressed by the fact that they've done a Christmas song that's got number two in the charts and it's playing the radio uncensored. That does indeed have bell end and ring piece in it and every time I hear don't let the bells end I still go like oh, yeah. bell end and I that never, annoys I, me that he's I, done that to my brain I never made the connection yeah mm. Um, ring piece. You I, never, you never hear ring piece much, do you? Always hear like bumhole or like arsehole. So but is that what? Is, so this is what is a ring piece? Is it your bumhole? Yeah, bumhole. Yeah, right, okay. ring piece. Right. 
Yeah, I didn't know that. I've never I just think it's funny. It. It's just funny. And um, I, I admire the balls of it. I think jo- Justin knew fine well what he was doing. If you look at the video, there's a bit towards the end where he gets to just shout ring piece in front of a children's choir. As like as, as a sort of like ad lib over the top of the chorus. He just gets to shout ring piece. <laughs> okay, yeah. I thought you'd be laughing more than this, you know. Yeah, I thought we were on the same wavelength I, it here. Is, but it is, is a Justin ring issue piece is just got. funny. Um, yeah, it is funny. I think... Mm. <laughs> Would it be Christmas if this was removed from my life? It would be mm. weird to not have the song in my life at Christmas. You know what I mean? And if I was out drunk at a Christmas party, would I dance? I would dance around yeah. to it. And now that I know that Ring Piece is in there, yes, I will be screaming, screaming Ring, ring piece, piece at a specific yeah. point. Some, you know, when the Pogues comes around and people scream the F word to be to be edgy mm, when it gets to that, that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, no, we don't because we're good people. But I think I could totally be the kind of person who just sh- shouts out Bell End and Ring Piece. But I do Gotham. it most days of the year anyway. <laughs> so, like, you know, I would like to have a musical accompaniment to it, yeah. which would make me seem like less of a psycho. Justin told the Mirror in 2003, I know that, no, this, this was later, but I've, I've written 2003, that's the year it came out. He says, uh, when I'm walking around Tesco and you can hear our Christmas song from mid-November onwards, I do hear the sound of a small pound coin entering the bank in my head. Uh, then I think, ah, yes, I will buy the Tesco finest range <laughs> instead of economy. So you did make a lot of money off it. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you said that you didn't want to contribute towards that because of things he said to your mate. He made a million pounds in the first month of this being out alone. Shit. And spent lots of it on cocaine. It was a white Christmas for Justin. Oh. He had a big, he had a big cocaine problem. He had to check, he? In, check into uh, rehab. Was this pre this song or was it post the song post. when he got success? Right, okay. Made so much money. I think he, sp- he spent 150 grand on coke. He was doing three grams a day. See, the, I don't know what that means. But, it's quite a bit. Uh, is it? That can okay. kill you, that, yeah. Oh, shit, right. I've got more empathy for him now. Yeah. There you go. Yes. But when he was a dickhead, it was before that. So, you know. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's changed. Who Hopefully. knows? Who knows? We'll always have ring pieces. I do like the fact piece. that he's shopping in Tesco. Yeah. Maybe he just goes and hear his own song. Yeah, probably. Yeah. To go from ring piece to cheeky girls. I'm just gonna keep saying. It. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try and find ways to slip it in during random. I've songs. got one to go from ring piece to two girls that have touched my ring piece. It's the mm, cheeky girls. This is have a cheeky Christmas. was released in December 2003 and they also actually had a re like a remake of Touch My Bum it was mm, a Christmassy a version Christmas of that version. one brought out yep so this got to number 10 um, you've got some proper bells in it and you've got some sleigh bells in it as well I really like this mm. I feel like I've done a what's him off Strictly Craig Revel Horward Craig where he plays the game I feel like I am surprisingly loving this track mm. and this is this is really stupid because it's probably really insulting to the darkness but if you're going to be <laughs> funny and try to be a smart arse in a track mm. this is what I want it to be because I think that this is like it's, a na- really it's funny- naturally funny yeah it's like it's stupid on purpose yeah. they know exactly where they are in the market <clears throat> and they're milking it a little bit not so much and they're having fun with it and then you know the thing just it's funny it then gets camp you've got a raven snowman you know yeah. there's so much in this that I just love and it feels Christmassy because of the blatant bells yeah in it. bell end mm-hmm. uh, it's one of those tracks the, so we're kind of going through are they Christmassy as part of our metric yeah they've got a song here that sets out to be a cheeky Christmas song mm-hmm. is it cheeky is my question and I've got some evidence that suggests it probably is um, oh. dancing at the Christmas party lots of wine and the boys get cheeky oh. bit of a disabled toilet action mm-hmm. there uh, oh baby baby underneath the mistletoe oh, oops baby baby 
getting sexy in the snow. <laughs> yeah, baby, baby, take the reins and hold on tight. This could be your lucky night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, one, two, Santa Claus is coming. Three, four, filling up my stocking. Oh. <laughs> Five, six, everybody's pumping. Well, Damn. Seven-year-old Liam had no idea. 24-year-old Liam is just like... Jesus. Mm-hmm. Obscene. It's a different level of subconscious rudeness to two become one by the Spice Girls, isn't mm, it? You yes. Know? So, um, uh, more blatant. And this really suits them. It does. Well, un- unless you meet them in real life and actually you really don't think that they're that cheeky. They were actually, whenever I've interviewed them, they've been really chill. Yeah. Um, and whenever I was like, right, we need to make it look like you're touching me bum for a laugh. Um, I was like, don't touch me bum. Um, <laughs> but um, they looked terrified. Honestly, oh. they, look, they looked like I was asking them to do the scariest thing that they'd ever done. And oh, in the music them. video for this, they get attacked by the reindeer at the end. So, you yes. know, like their face looked even more shocked. Whenever I was like, let's do a fake picture of you touching my bum. Don't be shy. Um, yeah, people are quite surprised that I got left in the video because it's kind of like... It's pretty dodgy, and it? Having a, a big reindeer attacking them. Yeah, but it's animal. It's probably a bit more cruelty to cruelty. animals because when you see the, it, it's quite a confined space. Yes. That it's no wonder it freaked out. Yeah. Whereas I, I know that people do do reindeer stuff. So mm. I will be seeing a reindeer on Christmas Eve, and oh. um, it will be getting like fairy dust and stuff like that, and it'll get its. Oh. I don't know if we're allowed to touch this year. Probably not. We'll see what the crack is. Don't give the reindeer COVID. No, 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 no. But it's camp, camp, camp. Yes. Santa gives the gift of hot pants, which is funny because again, it's a, it's a piss take of themselves. Yeah, it's on brand. And I never turn this off whenever it comes onto the no. Christmas channels. I really get sucked in and love it. I don't see why you would turn it off. I think it's great. I think um, the cheeky girl story is interesting. You know, the pop stars, the rivals. Peter Waterman called him the worst act he'd ever seen. They got a record deal. This the song, this album's. You know, the, this album had four top tens on it. Did it? How, yeah. How many, how many how, songs have they had? About five, well, or, f- about five or six in total around that time, but all, the first four were all top tens. T- touch My Bomb. Touch My Bomb. What there's, else? A, there's another one that I forget. There's, there's two more I forget what they are, but they, they had four top tens. Oh. How many artists can say they had four top tens on the same album? You know and what were I mean? called like the worst yeah. you know, artist of all time by Pete mm-hmm. Waterman. Mm. So the, 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 they're, they're divisive. Some, like us, just think they're brilliant because they just are very matter-of-fact what they are. You know, they've they've nailed the mission statement. And others don't like them and say they can't sing. I think here, I mean, autotune does a lot of work. Autotune works hard here. But generally, I think they can sing. And I think there's xenophobia that has plagued the Cheeky Girl's career. I know Touch My Bum is not brilliant. But I think in I love that track. No, I just have happy no, memories like not, of that not track. Not brilliant, like technically. Yeah, it's enjoyable, but it's not technically brilliant. Well, in I, theory, I, have I, they I, written it? Because that's what they sang in their audition. I think their ma- their their mother is their manager and writes a lot of their stuff. Right. Okay. So it's kind of kept in the family. But I, I do think that the cheeky girls have been victims of xenophobia because they're Romanian, because they don't, you know, because English isn't their like natural language slash yeah. you know pronunciation of, of of where they talk. I think they've been lost in translation, and I think they're misunderstood. I like them a lot. I've always liked them ever since they were on Pop Stars. Not for the reason that people go, oh, they're so shit, haha, point and laugh. I hate that that that's a thing. Yes. And I hate. I still. This is why I really struggled with the audition processes mm-hmm. of these reality TV programs. And Brutal. I couldn't watch them. And then I remember being like working with people who were like, oh, I've stopped watching X Factor or whatever now because the auditions are done. I'm like, so you just watched it to take the piss out of people. Yeah. I want to see people f- compete to get a record deal now. Yeah. I'm, I'm not interested in the auditions. But yeah, I hated that about them. Mm-hmm. I hated the fact that people just laughed at them and that was the thing. Whereas I enjoy the crack. They know their place in the market. Don't get me wrong, they're capitalising off letting people take the piss out of them as well. Yeah. But, you know, they know what they're doing. 
they're making decisions and they've had some tracks out that make me happy and yeah. have created moments in my life where I've been like, right, let's dance around and spin around to touch my bum. Mm. Let's do some cheeky Christmas stuff, you know, at Christmas parties and let's put a bobble on the Christmas tree while the music channels are on. Hey, it's the cheeky girls. Merry Christmas, yeah. everybody. You know, what's the cheekiest Christmas you've had? What's the, have you got a cheeky Christmas party story that you want to share with us? Oh, a cheeky Christmas party story. Oh, wow. Um, well, so... Mm. My memories this week have been pure Christmas party yes. stories. Yeah. And I used to work at a software company who did the biggest and the best Christmas parties in the northeast of England at one point. Mm. They, it was big, big. It was, it was one of the reasons why people actually wanted to work at this organisation because <laughs> of the Christmas parties. And my, mate, my mate James, who had a full-time job, was on the Christmas committee and used to get six months off his role to organise a Christmas party wow. and he got a full he got his full salary for 12 wow. months but the Christmas party was such a big deal at this place and I'd never seen anything like it so I'd gone from a call centre where you got like team budgets and there was like raffles for bottles of wine and stuff yeah. to this full big black tie thing Extravaganza. where every employee was in a black and I had to go I had to go in black tie and everything it was like it was mental and the first one I went to was a themed one and it was you didn't know the theme until you walked in and you walked in and it was the Enchantment Under the Sea Ball mm. which was Back to the Future oh, wow. so we went in and everything was seen. all all drink free pure gourmet food everything was amazing but um, obviously because the drink was free Rat asked. you were very 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 drunk and there's the stories you can't share do you know any have I told you any over the years I feel like you have but there's so many there's so many Christmas. juicy stuff Scott stories that, are, that they're kind of all I've got too many that are wild and by sharing them I'd be uh, exposing you'd be incriminating illegals people. yeah yeah, mm-hmm. would be an issue right we'll move on maybe someday we'll find out when the podcast finishes we'll get, we'll get we'll, some of these we'll juicy stories we'll get to stories. the end of this recording and I'll be like hey I've got 12 different <laughs> Christmas <laughs> stories for you so funny, we mentioned McDonald's earlier and uh, and how you had yours at Christmas and we've had a shit one today, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. This is a whole group that are dedicated to fast food because they met at a fast food convention, which, uh, why, why is that a thing? Who have I have got, no idea. I just, I, I, it, to me, I, I've written in my notes, they claim that they met at a fast food convention because I don't know why that would be a thing. Do you think that's just a fake narrative that's been built for them through a record company? Given, given it's 2003, given what we know so far about pop music, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a manufactured thing just to mm-hmm. make it sound more like a real thing. I don't know why you'd go to a fast food convention as a punter unless you were like, unless you were like a, a person who owned a fast food chain and it was like a, an expo thing where you're like, you know, yeah. looking at new fryers. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Why would you go as a punter to a fast food convention to talk? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, the fast food rockers, that's how they met apparently. And they formed this band. They've had music written by Mike Stock of Stock Aiken Waterman, who's like, you know, Rick Astley and like Hall of Notes and these amazing pop things. And now they're written for the fast food rockers who had the big hit, the fast food song, mm-hmm. which is just, ah, pizza, hut, ah, pizza. We'll do that in the podcast because it was really high in the charts. And number two in the charts. Fuck. This was their Christmas song, released the same year. It's called I Love Christmas. I love Christmas time when the bells ring in this heart of mine just like Santa on his way to mine. I love Christmas. It's got to number 25 in the charts. Mm. Oddly enough, it has got major steps vibes in the opening. It does. Yes, Isn't it that does. That's so weird. Yeah. It it's doesn't it doesn't hook like a step song no, no. so much so I've actually forgotten what it sounds like now and Me only too. listened to it not long ago yeah. but I remember that within it once the step elements disappear all of a sudden the instrumentation comes through which is practically a rip off of Wham's Last Christmas it is isn't it yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's creaky it's not as objectionable as fast food song which is a corporate exercise and it's like very blatant 
like just capitalism yeah which reminds me of parties that i went to so we danced around to the fast food song mm. a lot mm. drunk you know yes. whenever we were starting to have house parties and there was people coming to parties that couldn't get in places so mm. we had to have house parties but who, the, who actually bought this so we've got the number 25 i'm yes. trying to figure out who did did parents buy it for kids uh, it, it can't be anybody other than kids. Did the parents of the band <laughs> buy maybe. it? Yeah, maybe, yeah. But this is back in the day where 25 in the charts actually meant quite a lot of sales. Uh, d- yeah, because it was a hard, it was a lot of a market then. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. this. So as much as it's novelty, give me the cheeky girls miles over this anyway. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing memorable about this. The video is quite cheap and unconvincing. Um, it's not a masterpiece, but it sounds Christmassy. It does. It's difficult to say that a Christmas song can be original, especially when it sounds like this, because as you say, wham, mm-hmm. and it, this, this this subject matter of just loving Christmas has been done a million times over. But you know what? It is it is technically original. While, while not original, it is original. Yeah. And it enters that canon of songs that are just pure cheese Christmas. How much can you argue? Not at all. Is it good? Not particularly. Is it offensive? No. Let's move on. Okay. do say about jumping into santa sack though (laughs) um being the fast food rockers we've spoken about mackey d's and stuff i i i'm not a turkey not a turkey person necessarily i do like a chicken there was one year that we just me and my mom had just moved out from being with uh, my stepdad who was a dickhead let's just put on record uh, one more time um we just thought you know what as an ultimate rebellion now that we're free we're moved on in our life we're gonna have what we want for christmas not gonna conform to society we're going to do what we want we're going to have minimal fuss we're going to do something that just takes no time at all won't take the entire day to cook let's make enchiladas i was going to guess enchiladas christmas enchiladas actually guess you had yeah, enchiladas yeah, yeah amazing so did you have a starter i don't remember because it's quite a substantial because enchiladas mm-hmm. are quite filling because yeah. it's like chicken and cheese and sauce and wraps and it's just like quite stodgy mm-hmm. uh, i don't feel like we did that takes about 10 minutes to prepare and about 15 minutes to cook so Christmas dinner took about half an hour, all told. That includes washing up afterwards as well. Oh, that's quite good. Well done. So that's just that's just a middle finger to society, and and I think we've kind of done more tra- traditional Christmases since then. But I don't see what's the problem. Nah, eat what you want. Do what you want. Mm-hmm. Don't let people tell you what to do. Anyway, we've spoken a lot about Craig David on the series so far because he's had loads of big hits. He's had number ones, had number twos. He's had albums that's done really well. He's had performances on Artful Dodger that have been really big. What about the man? who put his career on cinder blocks. The time was always going to come, and we will talk about this again when it comes to it in the main series in 2003. This was a number three hit, long after Craig David had, you know, his career had sort of started to tail off first time around. Now you've got Bo Selector and Proper Crumble. Do you know whenever you're younger, right, and everybody finds something funny and you feel like you're a complete lemon because you don't get it? Yeah. This, Bow Selective was one of them things. Mm. I I never, I liked the guests being on it yes. and all of that kind of crack, but I never liked the concept of it. And I didn't understand why I liked it and everybody else in my world, or why I didn't like it and everybody else in my world did. Mm. And then I realised now it was just because I must have actually on some, like, level thought it was inappropriate. Yeah. And I never understood you, why. Yeah, you've... you've, you've subconsciously morally objected to it because yeah. it is morally objectionable. But if you ask me what 17-year-old Scott was like, I would say I had no morals. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you it didn't wasn't actually, Yeah, and it wasn't until I met my wife, like two years later, that I twigged when I was talking to her that, oh, hold on, I have opinions and things, but I never really thought, because I'd never yeah. said them out loud. I would never have had conversations with people about them. I then realised there was things that I thought were right and things that I thought mm. were wrong. And then at the same time, I would say stuff to her and she's like, well, that's actually really inappropriate. And I was like, is it? Why? And I would listen. And then I was like, oh, that makes sense. Which kind of explains why at this point in the podcast, I'm still very much a pervert. <laughs> you know, if we, yeah. if we go through, yeah. if we're honest, I was like, yeah, I was out in the pool. I wanted to, to do rude things with people and mm. tash on and stuff like that. But yeah, this never sat well with me and I never liked it. And I didn't, it wasn't, my brain wasn't going, oh my God, Lee Francis is doing blackface. It, yeah. that, I didn't know that's what it was, yeah. but I didn't like it. Yes, Lee Francis does do blackface, and it actually both like has been taken off all four this year because of Black Lives yeah. Matter. He's, I think they, they came to a mutual agree- mutual agreement that it should be taken off because he made his public apology, didn't he? Yeah, and I think he's pretty ashamed of it now. Yes, and I think that that was really important. You know, obviously mm. people were flagging things up at the time. Yeah, but the fact that at some point he's gone, you know, what, let me let me zoom in on this and find out what this actually means to people. I think the fact that that apology has come is really important. It's not good yeah. enough, no. obviously, to the people that it's hurt, but. There's so many more people that could take a leaf out of his book yes, and make these apologies 100%. and they haven't. Yeah. So. I was too young for Bo Selector because I was about seven year old this time. So I any Bo Selector I saw was stuff like this and I never really got to see the TV show because, you know, I wasn't awake that late and I never saw clips and stuff because it wasn't a time of like YouTube and stuff. So I will have seen this. I remember liking the song because it was daft. It had silly noises in it. You know, it had like lots of different voices. Mm-hmm. It had Craig David, who I'd known before, doing a Yorkshire accent and talking about having a kestrel and pissing the bed. That's funny. Mm-hmm. For, you know, for a seven-year-old, that's funny to hear yeah, someone doing a Christmas bed, song yeah. about peeing the bed. Michael Jackson kind of the thing. The thing about the thing about Bo Selector is that it's all caricature. Like yeah. you know, it's blackface. It is blackface, but it's it's the emphasis that Lee Francis puts on things as part of his work is more about absurdity than representation of what the you know because mm-hmm. Craig David isn't from Yorkshire, doesn't have a kestrel called Kez, doesn't well, don't think he pisses the bed. I mean, he might do, but we don't know for certain that he does. It, it, it's all just absurdity and absurdity is the kind of comedy I enjoy Bo Selector isn't and I've seen bits of it since to say it's deceptively clever is not correct but it's where I'm going to start my argument and I'm going to try and work it out from there right, it, okay. isn't, it isn't deceptively clever it's just that his commitment to absurdity and caricature and overblown humour and just taking a concept and just going wild with it and doing something really different with it that's the bit I enjoy the the, yeah. the the offensive side I could but then it, it, the, the two kind of go hand in hand in his work the two the the offensiveness and the caricature and the mm-hmm. parody and the piss take and the because he, he's trying to make a thing about celebrity culture you know the fact that Avid Merry and the central character of the show is like a stalker and that, that that's how it's all tied together is that like he's a stalker and that's how his celebrities get involved mm-hmm. and it's funny because you look at the video for this and the, the song for this and like celebrities do seem keen and are queuing up to be in the song like the video is full of celebrities yeah. you know like in terms of big names Bob Geldof's in this mm-hmm. you know Boomtown Rats but Band-Aid charity yeah. serious kind of guy Bob Geldof's in this um, the real Mel B who mm-hmm. is portrayed in blackface by Lee Francis and, and it's now sat smelly funny yeah and they're sat they're sat beside each other in the video Jade Goody is in it Holly Vance is in it Caroline Flack she played yeah. Bubbles you know the monkey girlfriend in the series Tafina's in it 
Turbulence in it. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a whole Holly Valance is in it. You know, the, the global superstar, David Snedden, yeah. isn't it? David you know, Green. Yeah, yeah. Matthew uh-huh. Wright. You know, it, it's, it's a big list of people. And they all seem quite keen. I mean, Craig David not involved because he, he's probably seething at this point that yeah. all this is happening. I It's silly. It's catchy. It's Christmassy. It's kind of creative. I do still have a chuckle, albeit with a kind of asterisk next to the chuckle. If we remove if we remove all of the both selective visual elements of it, right, yeah. and you take away the, the stupid intro of Michael Jackson and your man, right, and then you come with sing, come now sing with me, proper crimbo, select it. The select it is a piss take of Craig David. Yes, you know what I mean. And I'm like, you're you're lying into the chorus, and it's kind of bullying. Yes, you know oh, what I mean. It, yeah, that's yeah, and that is an that issue. Way, yeah. It is bullying, and then it's also kind of like in Craig David's world. This is me speaking for Craig David, obviously, and you know he doesn't care that I do. Um, <laughs> That's every single fucking like significant celebrity at that time jumping on board, yeah. not challenging it's them. It's a dog pile, isn't it? Yeah, it kind of is, yeah. And it's, it's a real kick in the teeth. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't actually give a fuck, you know what I mean? But obviously there was issues there, I mean, no, but yeah, yeah. But that is a bit of a kick in the teeth, thinking, like, Davina's jumped on. Why didn't you say something, Davina? I've probably been interviewed by you four times on T4. Dermot, what are you doing, mate? Come on, somebody mm-hmm. stand up and say something. But actually, there's the whole... This will help your career. My agents made me do it potentially. You know what I mean? And yeah. people might have just been going at it because it was such a big deal and there was such a big audience for it and it would help. I did, don't get me wrong, love seeing Jade Goody in the music video. Yeah. It was really nice to see mm-hmm. Jade Goody again. But and Caroline Flack too. It just it all sits with me wrong, oddly, and it's yeah. got another mm, <laughs> on my page. Yeah. I enjoyed seeing celebrities. That's what I've written because I tried yeah. to come out in a positive, but I don't need this. I don't really need to see this again. No. If you wa- if you watch the full video, which has the start bit of like the thriller parody with Matthew Wright and John Leslie and stuff, mm-hmm. and that Lee Francis is a massive Michael Jackson fan, like a real big Michael Jackson fan. He did a whole. Obviously, Michael Jackson was a character in Bo Selector, and then when Michael Jackson died, Lee Francis made like a special tribute episode of Bo Selector, which I watch still quite a lot because it's because it is funny. Like the jokes are funny. Obviously, there's a lot of blackface in it because he plays the Jackson Brothers with big lips and stuff, and it is really, it's really offensive. But the, if you eliminate those bits, the jokes that he writes and performs are funny. Yeah. And there's a clear like passion for Michael Jackson. I mean, obviously, Michael Jackson wouldn't even... This wouldn't even be on his radar at all. He wouldn't give a shit what some British dude does. It is a shame that Craig David is kind of bullied and victimised yeah. quite as much as this. Yeah. Ah, it's, it's really, it's, that's, it's that's really tricky. That's the worst part of it for it's me. It's really tricky. I think that is, the, that is the hardest thing for me is the fact that I still clear as day think that this is an issue. It's bullying. I'm trying to think, am I being too much of a snowflake? I'm thinking, you know, is it is it important? Because we still... It's the same... Do, do people need to look back and realise that this was... Of the time. But I still think that in many aspects of comedy, people are struggling to find what's funny. And actually people, some comedians struggle to deviate from anything other than laughing about things that are out of people's control. Like even um, Celebrity Juice, he speaks with a lisp, doesn't he? He he puts on a a jokey voice and like, you're you're indirectly poking. But then, you know, if you you have to do something for for fun, but like whatever the fuck happened to people just falling over and laughing. I know people are like, oh, I hate Melissa McCarthy and Miranda because they just fall over. Like, you know what it is? It's because falling over is what you learn to laugh at when you're younger. Yeah. And actually, you just become so uptight about humour that you you end up going into hurtful places or things that are so intellectually funny Mm. that, you know, you hate that other people don't laugh at it too and then you become fucking depressed because people don't get your sense of humour or you hate Miranda falling over and you lose your shit over it. You know, some basics in life just need to be, like, understood. Well, clearly it it worked because he did it again the next year. He did a cover of um, 
I Got You, Babe, Sonny and Cher was Davina McCall and Patsy Kensett. Oh, Patsy Kensett. You know, because why not? Yeah. But the B-side was a, a song called Soda Pop in character as Craig David, which is unlike any Craig David song I've ever heard. So if, it, if it's meant to be a parody of Craig David, it fails because it doesn't sound like Craig David at all. It's just, you know, Lee Francis doing his Craig David voice. The song's really misogynistic and unlistenably bad. It is despicably okay. bad. Like, I, I listened to a minute of it and I just thought, mm. this is... He talks about punny and it's just like all these Yorkshire things that Craig David wouldn't say. Like, the Craig David thing is funny because it's caricature in the show, but like, this this, this song, Soda Pop, is fucking vile. Yeah, okay. Anyway. The but, whole thing's confused me about, it, it, in life, uh, what's funny, what's not. It has confused my brain and I need to go and recalibrate because of the song and figure out what I find humorous. All right, so... We, 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 We've, we've 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 spoken about Craig David being bullied. If we go back to March in our year twenty twenty, we spoke about the Millennium Prayer, and we didn't bully Cliff Richard. But we certainly picked fun at him. Because, that was harsh, wasn't it? <laughs> it was pretty. Well, yeah, we, we it was said, more religion as, as yeah, opposed to Cliff. We, we said that he potentially killed Jesus and killed Christianity as a as a sort of um, as a mainstream concept. Here he is again. Clearly, you know, we didn't we didn't <laughs> kick him hard enough. Because he came back in 2003 with a song called Santa's List. We don't need a Merry Christmas. We don't need a Happy New Year. The only wish on Santa's list is that one day there will be peace on this earth. Aye. Not much to say. No, me, me neither really. really. If you've heard a Cliff Christmas track, you've heard them all. And if you've heard one and didn't like them, then you're probably not going to change your mind with this one. And it's just, if you do like them, you are going to like it. I think I would be probably happy that if I get into later life and Cliff's still whipping out a Christmas song every so often. Mm. It, I'm not saying I want it to be number one and stuff, but like I just think some, every so often, you know, yeah, just do it. Because maybe maybe he's like, what do you call Maybe Cliff Richard is the mindfulness that actually we all need and we should be going down Cliff Richard rabbit holes yeah to find some sort of like zen or happiness or something you know it's not gonna take over your life but the millennium prayer particularly is a different beast because it is a full-blown prayer right. that we've all we've all done but as for yeah. other cliff things i don't have the same adverse negative reaction as i do to millennium prayer no um but yeah this one santa's list fine it's yeah. a it's it's yeah. a well-produced christian track mm-hmm. you know not a lot of christian music is well produced i think some of it's quite ropey this is fine um it's got some nice guitar on it you know that's the thing to say about it so he doesn't so in the lyrics of the song he says he he doesn't want a merry christmas or a happy new year he just wants ring peace on earth. i'm sorry he just wants peace on earth um how how presumptuous some of us want a ps5 <laughs> a PS5 on I, Earth. I can, yeah, yeah. I can, I can, I can deal with the world being on fire and stuff. But I want to play PS4 games in 4K. Yeah, but would I rather have peace on Earth? Yeah, I like the idea of peace on Earth. You know what I mean? Wouldn't last long though, would it? Even just peace around me on housing estate. You know, like around, yeah. around my locale would be really good. Uh, peace on the telly. But then I suppose, yeah, in the age of there's got to be some edge of choice. We've all, yeah, we're all getting hit hard, aren't we? There's got to be some conflict in life. It's got to just, just. Yeah, but that's that. The conflict is opening the food section of your phone and going, mm, "Uber eats delivery." Yeah, that's the conflict that's I need. Yeah, that's it. Lyric wise, there's a section: "A savior came down to this earth to show us everyone how to live in harmony together under the sun." Do you think? Do you think he's achieved that, Jesus? Do you think he's actually managed that? Because I don't feel like he has achieved that. We don't live harmoniously under the sun. 
I feel like there was do, more we peace do, we back do, then. Than we there do is live now. under the sun because it's getting hotter and the you know the planet's gonna burn. Yeah. But harmony? I don't think so. Mm. I think you still got some work to do. Yeah. Back Maybe if you board. fell off a scooter and banged your leg, and you're like, aha, harmony. <laughs> there you go. That's your harmony. Oh, oh, oh. oh, I hate Christmas. I hate the puns that come out of Christmas. I just hate the Christmas cracker jokes. I think they're crackers. You know, they should. They should. They should you know, imagine you know, like intellectual people at Christmas who are like beyond puns, who you know, who are like comedy snobs, a bit like me. In the little Christmas crackers, rather than the sort of like, what do you get if you cross a? You could have like a whole stand-up routine written down, couldn't you, on a bit of paper? Yeah, that's an idea. I, that could be a whole corner of the like a market of the corner, just to like people who don't like Christmas jokes like me. Just put like a section of like Stuart Lee. <laughs> yeah, I remember one Christmas, my mum <laughs> was. So this is my my pearly mum who was bed bound. Mm. <coughs> excuse me, was determined to make her own Christmas crackers one year, oh. and she'd managed to get her Christmas crackers made by saving the loo rolls, you know, like the, the, yeah, the cardboard the and things. Um, and she she'd managed to get them made in her bed and some time and stuff. But she was determined to make it to the Christmas table for that moment oh. and as she came to the Christmas table you had to bring like an oxygen cellar and stuff so that uh-huh. she could like put her oxygen and things on and I can remember she was going around like she realised a specific cracker had a specific joke in it mm. and then started to laugh before anybody had told the joke and then she ended up like laughing so much before the joke had come out that she like ended up having like a coughing fit and she, oh she nearly died because she was waiting for this joke Laughing that she'd made joke. up <laughs> she was dying for it to be said around the table and the joke was what's the difference between snowmen and snowwomen Oh, snowballs! snowballs. Mm-hmm. Very good. And she fucking she thought it was brilliant. You know, I think, <laughs> that's, I think maybe really, that's really a joke to die over. All, isn't it? Yeah, all of these years later, it's maybe slightly transphobic or something like that, or oh, yeah, maybe uh, not inclusive. But at the time, it was it was gold, and it was like my mum's just said something about genitals at the Christmas dinner table. You know, it was it was brilliant. What's snowballs. the difference between snow cis men and snow cis women slash trans men? <laughs> That's the joke now, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Um, and she would have included, if she wrote, was around to write that joke today, that's what the joke would have been. It would have been delivered better than that. Yeah. You know, like, but, um, oh, thanks. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sorry. Yeah. But you, you were thinking on your feet. It was mm-hmm. good. Very mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it was his appearance on both Select a Proper Crimble that convinced Bob Geldof to get the band back together for this. You can hear it. If that song can make that <laughs> yeah. amount of money... I can go back and I can revive something in this day and age with all the celebrities. Yeah. yeah, just dust this bad boy off, make a new version of it, and here we go. Number one for four weeks, this is Band-Aid 20, Do They Know It's Christmas? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Was this in December, the whole of December as opposed to the following? Um, or I did think, it roll I over? A bit, bit of both, a bit of December and January. Yeah. It, it, it was the last single to sell a, min, a million physical copies in the UK. Was it? Because downloads are on the. Yeah. This, this is like download era starting here, 2004. Oh, my wife with the original band aid, her mum racked up at her school one day to collect her and had brought her and bought her the actual oh. original vinyl wow. of it. Um, and that's like, it's one of her special Christmas moments because mm. her mum brought that to her, which is really, really good. Again, there's 
I think we get political with these ones. I'm pretty open minded when they're charity singles. Yeah. I don't really care that much. But I do I do each time there's a remake of something like this, I find it difficult to adapt my brain. So I did find the Dizzy Rascal rap really difficult to get my head around, which all these years later now I don't mind. And I, I, I got on board with it at the time because he needs representation yeah. and he's good at what he does. Let's just see how it goes. But yeah, it was very hard because Christmas songs are so attached to people and they're mm. so ingrained in your life and your happiness and your memories and stuff. It's very difficult to come out and whip that change out. And yeah. I get that. But I felt that this was all about Chris Martin, really. Yeah. All of the emotion that's in it. And I find that with a lot of Coldplay songs, I feel like a lot of it points at Chris. Is who who does the closing bit where there's lots of warble in the voice? Is it Joss Stone? Yes, um, potentially, yeah. A bit of attention on her too, but mm. the middle bit's pretty forgettable. Yeah, aye. You know what I mean? It has women on though, because the first band-aid had Banana Rama in the chorus, but there was no featured women. Actually, yeah. It's all blokes. Dude. Whereas this one, you've got Dido, you've got Jamelia, you've uh-huh. got Joss Stone, you've got, I think Rachel Stevens is part of that, Estelle's part of it as well, Natasha Benfield's in there. It's a much more very mixed, and the fact you've got Dizzy Rascal doing rap, which mm-hmm. in 1984 was unthinkable because yeah. rap didn't really exist. Uh, especially. Generally, I really, I would still always choose, would I still always choose the original? I would happily, I wouldn't, you know, if it was on the TV, I wouldn't turn it off. And what yeah. I do, like, what was the second Band-Aid one that wasn't that one? Um, they, 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 they did do Band-Aid 2, I, which was like in the 80s as well. I love looking at that and going, oh, who's that? Who's that? And all of that mm, kind of crap. Yeah. So I enjoy looking back and I think, actually, if you every every decade of stars, if you had to make this for the next, you know, whatever amount of years... Just to kind of like have a little snapshot. time capsule. Yeah, yeah, and that will generate money for charity. I'm yeah. kind of okay with it, and it's me that needs to change my attitude, not not Bob Geldos going, actually, I'm not going to reinvigorate the song because people will be annoyed. That's yeah. Not a- it's not about that. Well, Midgeua, who obviously wrote the song with Bob Geldof, he's admitted that, you know, it's not a brilliant song. It's just they make brilliant recordings because of what they're able to do with the groups they get together yeah. and the engineering that's on it to make it sound like a really big deal. Certainly, this one's better than Band Aid 30, which was. Oh, it was dismal because of, because because of wokeness and I know wokeness is a word that I, you know w- wokeness is just is just being considerate and I think if we can, if we can all be considerate then yeah sure wear snowflakes wear woke blah whatever I don't care call me what you want but it, they changed Bono's line from you know well tonight thank God it's them instead of you which is obviously sarcastic and kind of like you know thank God it's them not us it's it's, it's that sort of tone. In the new version, it was changed to, well, tonight we're reaching out and touching you because sarcasm is dead. And we that's the most irrelevant year for it ever because we now can't touch each other. Yeah. <laughs> so that was in 2014. It had yeah. Ellie Golden, Rita Ora, who just walked, oh, just shows off. Rita Ora is such a bland pop star. And, and now she's in trouble for all the social distance and stuff. Oh, she's not, she's, different headlines this week. She has now been given a position as a judge in an Australian reality TV programme. It might be The Voice. I think she's replaced Elle McPherson. My God. So after a week after the second mm. apology about yeah. fleeting COVID rules, she's now off to another country again, <sighs> uh, which is a bit disappointing. She's just but. such a bland pop star. But anyway, Chris Martin's in there as well. Ed Sheeran, Bono's back. They also got Sinead O'Connor and Seal for that one, which is pretty oh, wow. good. And Underworld were part yeah. of it and they did a remix which is quite cool but yeah Banded 20 it's it's fine I think because of because it's my generation's one it's the one I would pick 
That's funny, I, think, I think actually it does sound pretty good though. Like the engineering's nice in it. They have got some nice instrumentation. You've got it's got Justin Hawkins on guitar. It's got some it's got some good production within it, like Fran Healy on guitar as well. It's got some other bits of like I think Roger Taylor from Queens on drums and it's it's a nice bit of work. Now, and you're a Rachel Stevens fan, and she's she's part of the recording. Digital Spy say there's an urban legend at the time that she wasn't actually invited <laughs> to come. She just turned up, and they felt too awkward to say no. Would you ever turn Rachel Stevens away from anything ever? You're asking the wrong person. Would you turn down Rachel Stevens? I'd probably run away because I'd be so shy. We've discussed yeah. this kind of obsession before, yeah. haven't we? Yes. Um, and then I have gone through uh, through since this podcast started, just a few many rabbit holes again on the internet of looking for. Rachel Stevens songs and just trying to figure out how significant she was. I love watching the um, the Terry Wogan S Club Children in Need thing where they mm. do the full big medley. Which sound, it starts really badly. Yes, yeah, it, like, it does. I, start really I badly, watched after you recommended it. So it and I, was, I was in tears. It was so nice. It's, so it, it's, it's wobbly, but um, it's nice to see them all together doing doing yeah. that. I enjoyed that. Yeah, Banded Twenty. It's fine. It did loads of bits for charity. You can't argue with charity. It's not a brilliant song, but it's nice and it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I like it. These these things when you get loads of stars on for for this sort of they're never great, really. Are they? They're never they're never mm. brilliant. It's just kind of like the novelty of look at all these people who put their differences aside to make a charity. Well, that's changed now. So when I was a kid, it was a massive deal. Yeah, because nobody collaborated world. with each other and everything was a, a smash hit. All Saints versus Spice Girls. Yes. Whereas now there is obviously collaborate. You know, you can't do a Craig David track for like six other people being on it, or no. they're all collaborations. You can't sell a solo single anymore at this point. So by the time we get to like band aid 40 30 people on a track is going to be the norm yeah they're all being the same record label the record label will be taking it'll be competing with percent and the rest <laughs> it'll be like competing for number one with a track that's also got 30 yeah. hearts on so. <laughs> absolutely yeah alright and finally this is one that uh, so this is the first year of the X Factor 2004 Simon Cowell having taken a leaf out of the Pop Idol book and the Pop Stars book has just made this you know reality TV behemoth that went on for years and years and years. It's on hiatus now because I think everyone's kind of lost interest. It's been shit for ages. It is humiliating. It is kind of degrading. It is not the formula we want to look for when we're picking out music talent. I think we've proved over the years since the Act Factor kind of packed in that there is another way of getting big in the music industry that doesn't revolve around Simon Cowell and reality TV. This man, Paul Holt, he auditioned for it in the first series. Um, he had a bit of a car crash performance of Stella Black. And Simon Cowell said, if you get a number one single, I'll give you 50 grand. Paul Holt's response was this track, which is called, quite aptly, 50 grand for Christmas. I'm gonna get 50 grand for Christmas. Buy this record now. 50 grand for Christmas. Thank you, Simon Cowell. There will be a check for me underneath my Christmas tree. 50 grand for Christmas. 50 grand for Christmas. I hope you're saving up, Simon. Believe he got to number one and got fifty grand. Amazing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I love that in the song Paul says, "You better be saving up, Simon." As if Simon's got. <laughs> a- <laughs> uh, no, mate, I'm good for it. Thanks <laughs> very much. He's just a blink and he makes fifty grand. Uh, maybe not so much these days because because he hasn't had a big X Factor success for a while. And actually, Psycho's label is gone now, isn't it? Psycho's been sold off. Yeah, I would say that's all still part of a master plan. You know, some people start <laughs> yeah, things maybe. and and you sell them. You do sell them, so there's a good chance, like you know, if you were. If you were Simon Coyle and X Factor took off, you sell it at the first dip, but you yeah. remain part of it yes. until you hand your notice in kind of thing. But 
yeah, I don't think it'll have necessarily been. Mm. He'll have played the game. Can't yeah. see him being. So th- this track was written by Ivan Novello songwriting, you know, winners. Oh shit, really? They they they're called Stuart and Bradley. They wrote a song called "Every Loser Wins" for Nick Berry, who played ah. Simon Wicks in EastEnders, and that song was part of the show. I think the character wrote that song and performed it on the show, okay. and it became a you know a single. Mm-hmm. So it's got it's got songwriting credibility involved in it. It was just it, it was kind of pushed out as a you know put your money where your mouth is sort of thing. Did it get number one? No. Number 35, still a top 40 is honourable. Is the song any good? Yes. I'd never heard it until today. No. And I didn't know that story. I only did a few series of The X Factor and the first series was not maybe. Who won the first X Factor? Was it Steve Brookstein? Steve Brookstein, um, yeah. I didn't watch that. I think there's, a, there's, there's maybe a chance that I watch something like The Final. Mm. You know what I mean? Without any sort of backstory. But that was not my, my X Factor years. I like the stupid element of it. Yes. Because I like that in Christmas songs. If it's blatant, I'm up for it. Isn't a cheeky girl's no. for me. And Sleigh Bells needs needs the big dollop. Yeah. As a Christmas song, it sounds Christmassy enough. I think, crucially, he struck the right tone because he could have come across as kind of like begging. Yeah. I think he comes across as cheeky and likeable. And it's kind of like, he's not really saying, I want 50 grand. It's kind of like, I'm, he's a chancer. Yeah. Who's got an opportunity to, to do something I think he gave the money to charity any proceeds he made went to charity so actually he's, he's done well that's good and, and to this day he's still making music and all of that money's going to money for a hospice in oh, Bury really? so, oh really there you go sweet. nice dude uh, seems like a nice guy mm-hmm. he's had modest success since this I, I'm kind of I think it, the timing may have been wrong X Factor first series we hadn't you know it was it was big but it wasn't huge which became in the following years yeah. if you think about you know 2004 to 2008 every year X Factor number one single yeah. for the winner 2009 was the year that Joe McKeldry from our region was the first one that didn't get a number one off the back of being on X Factor because Rage Against the Machine got it and that was a protest against the X Factor being a you know turgid music factory sludge fest mm-hmm. if this had come later in life this could have done better as the hatred towards Simon Cowell became you know, bigger. At this point, first series, he's kind of like, oh, we're starting to notice he's a bit of an arse, but I think later in life, this could have been huge. And actually, this, the, Peter Robinson from Pop Justice says this could have been the ultimate yeah. protest song in the wake of um, the Rage Against the Machine thing. It's not word on the street with Rage Against the Machine, though, was actually they just made them, they made a beast as much money because they're actually owned by a subsidiary of a major label. Yeah. So the whole, it was just a big massive contradiction. Yeah. So the whole, let's fight capitalism, didn't work. It just made rich people richer. Whereas if he'd got Paul Holt's, number, his single number one, it would have gone to charity. Yeah, absolutely. It would have made more sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was it was sad for Joe to not get number one. It was. It, it was a shame that after all those years of watching, you know, Alexandra Burke, people from the South get number ones as soon as our lad from South Shields cute little lad Who's worked the, his socks off who else was in his year then that's now the, oh, no the rising stars do we know no who, idea. Who, who did he beat no idea okay kind of forgotten that year yeah. I've produced him as well I should Have know you? his backstory yeah oh. I've semi-co-presented a radio show with him briefly through a, a, a wall <laughs> <laughs> nice lovely great no this is fine and I think um, it's it's heartwarming and as a, 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 for, for a Christmas sounding song it has all of the elements mm-hmm. got some nice guitar sounds a bit wizardy a bit sort of like uh, songs you've heard before yeah with a cheeky tone can't yeah. knock it really well done Paul so we are at the point where we pick a winner. It's different to normal. We'll still have a drone, because why not? Aww. Scott, do you think you can pick a winner out of that lot, out of those ten? Yeah, 
All right, then. Which is odd, because it's totally not what I thought it was going to be. Scott, uh, I'll hit you with a drone. What is your Christmas winner? This is easy. Maybe we should share the picture of them air slapping my bum. Uh, my <laughs> annual winner of the cheekiest, or the, what was it, the Christmiest? The Christmasiest Christmas. The Christmasy, I can't say it. Christmasiest <laughs> Christmas. Yeah. It's the Cheeky Girls. Have a Yay! cheeky Christmas. And here to accept their award and touch Scott's bum just one more time. Please welcome the cheeky... Oh, oh my God. Oh, should have no. arranged that, shouldn't yeah, I? Yeah, yeah. I'll get on the phone. I'll see if I can chat to them. I'd love to chat to the cheeky girls. Um, I feel I feel it would be an interesting conversation. It wouldn't be the novelty kind of conversation that we're used to. Think about being the cheeky girls in 2003 and having these interviews. And it's all like, you know, Heat Magazine and commercial radio stations all just asking the same shit questions. I think we could have a really good chat with the cheeky girls and, and get to the bottom of something. Get to the bottom. <laughs> so I have interviewed them. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out was, what... it, was yours hacky or was it like I can't even remember do you know oh. what it is I can remember standing right at the side of the stage because I was backstage whenever they got up and performed this was at Newcastle Pride or Nor- is it called Northern, Northern Pride, Pride now, yeah. Northern Pride this must have been in about 2013 mm. and I had interviewed I interviewed the Cheeky Girls I interviewed Sonia mm. I interviewed somebody off X Factor was it it wasn't was it Diva Fever oh yeah it might have been Diva Fever and I can't I can't really remember but um, I remember having a chat with him. I remember the whole thing was really strange because we'd, we'd gone into the office at work that day. And at this point in my life, I was quite ripped. And yes. I remember the producer of the show going, right, we need just we need just to like, you know, we need just to look like a, a bit sexy and a bit fashionable and a bit trendy, get the brand up there and stuff. And I was like, right, okay. So she she cut the, she cut the sleeves off my T-shirt. She started to roll my T-shirt sleeves up. It was like, you know, like a, a normal Fruit of the Loom T-shirt yeah, where the yeah. T-shirt sleeves come down and join in your elbow. They started getting rolled up and she was like, okay, your arms look, your arms look quite good. And then all of a sudden she's like, yeah, it's just, it's just not enough and I was like I've got in the car a 400 pound pair of Dolce & Gabbana <laughs> glasses that whenever I bought them I was like I am wearing these every day mm, to get my money's mm. worth and I got my money's worth out of them sunglasses because I was do- I was having three holidays in one year because I had Ooh. my brother's wedding in Barbados my wedding my, my stag do and then my honeymoon mm. all in a, in, a, in a short space of time and um, I put these on and I looked campus Christmas spiky hair and all sorts and then she went it's not enough so she got a pair of scissors and slit down from my armpits right down my side so my lats were hanging out <laughs> and um, so I had no sleeves on my t-shirts at this point I had my lats and stuff hanging out um, I had my really expensive sunglasses on and there's just me getting popped all over mm. um, Northern Pride just like hanging out with the cheeky girls um, nice. All of, I just remember them doing Touch My Bum uh, and I was standing beside the stage watching them do their thing. It was it was so strange. It's a hard job, this isn't it, media, radio. Yeah, it's a what, hard life. It was, it was I remember having to take pictures and I was like, well, literally they were in hot pants and mm. because they face forward most of the time and it's actually when you think about it, really you don't see the bum that much because when they do the rotation, you get a, a one second glimpse of it. Yeah. And then maybe you see some side bum. But I was literally just straight up looking at cheeky bummers mm. the whole the whole of the performance I'm like cheeky I'm bummers. not going to keep taking pictures of this because if my boss takes an SD card out and looks to see what I've done <laughs> all I've these got... zoomed in pictures <laughs> absolutely yeah mm-hmm. there's, in all fairness I should probably scroll back to my Facebook because yeah. they probably there's probably a, a, a mild selection of them on there nice hmm. I mean you, you, you can google the cheeky girls and see plenty of pictures of ours they've done, they've done lads mags have they they have oh, yeah. interesting okay right so don't let, ask how I know do <laughs> I was about 16 when that happened, so that's... Oh, yeah, you were like prime, are. weren't you? Do you want your drone? Yeah, I go on. Right, so, Liam, 2000 to 2004 Christmas bangers, here's your drone. Proper boat. No, um, no, I... This is this, this is an interesting one. I, I was tempted by Cheeky Girls as well, 
But I think I can't resist the urge of the ring piece. Ah. It's a song that I do. It's, 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 it's the one Christmas song really generally that I have no qualms about because Justin Hawkins hasn't pissed off my friend. So I think I, I, I can claim that one. No, I think it's funny. It's daft. And I'm going for ring piece because that's what I want to do this year. I want I do want a ring piece. <laughs> I think after the year we've had, you get that after, after, after 2020, crackers. after the, the devastating year we've had, I think we could all do with the 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 the, the, the act of uh, of ringing peace. I see where you're going. I completely agree. Now mm-hmm. looking at you, I just think bell end. Thanks. Great. <laughs> so that was the Christmassiest Christmas. They do say it's the time for forgiveness and, uh, and coming together at Christmas, but I think uh, Christmas is also t- a time for tension. Tensions run high, and uh, don't be surprised if me and Scott never appear on a podcast together ever again because he just called me a bell end, and that's just not on. I was just quoting, quoting uh, Justin. But yeah, he um, caught my mum. <laughs> if this is your Christmas day, maybe it's your Boxing Day, maybe it's days after this. We hope that if you are completely in isolation by yourself, um, that we've we've kind of given some sort of extra company to you. Yeah, um, it won't always be like that. Can we, can, we, can we make that as a promise? We hopefully promise that it'll not always be like that. There's always good times ahead. And yes. we will continue to create more moments for you um, as we move through the following years of the Naughty yes. Naughty. <laughs> so uh, thank you for listening to our special episode. We'll do this again next Christmas because I've quite enjoyed it. Yeah. We've got more songs to do. We've got 2005 to 2009 yeah. that haven't been tapped into yet. If, we haven't, if we've missed out any songs that you wanted to hear as part of these episodes, um, then do get in touch with us. TNN Pod on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Let us know what you thought of the songs if you've got different opinions if you have any thoughts on Bo Selector being uh, very very controversial if you maybe, you, maybe you've got no qualms at all and you can defend it but good luck yeah. to you uh, do get in touch voice notes emails anything you want hello at tnnpod.co.uk uh, emails and voice notes much appreciated and we would love as our Christmas present if you would go and give us the review where can we get a five star review Apple Podcasts Yay, please do, do. love to read them press some buttons thank you next week is New Year's Day 2021 begins how bizarre uh-huh. uh, so we're going to take a look back at what the artists of 2000 and 2001 that we've covered so far have been doing over the last year because a lot of them are still doing stuff yeah. of the 250 artists we covered ish uh, in, in the series so far I'd say around half of them have put something out this year so we're going to take a listen and see what we think we think